Recording in progress. Okay, we're up to Daf, uh, the very, very end of Mem Tes Summit Bay is the beginning of Nun Amad Aleph. The last thing the, the Gemara had said is like this if a person makes a transaction and in his internal desire is he's only selling it because he wants to move to Eretz Yisrael. Now, he doesn't stipulate that at the time of the sale. He's done, he, he, you know, he moves, he's selling it because he intends to move to Eretz Yisrael. And then he doesn't end up being able to move to Eretz Yisrael. So the question is, is it a Mekachtai? So the Gemara said no, because the Gemara said, Dvarim Shebelev Enim Dvarim, which is, that we don't go with your thoughts, we go with your actions. If you stipulated, then fine. But if you didn't stipulate, and you just had Machshava, Dvarim Shebelev Enim Dvarim, you know, uh, uh, unspoken thoughts don't count. Okay. So the Gemara wants to know, where is the source for this? Menole Ravaha. Ile Mahadetznan, it's a Mishnah, the Mishnah says, Yaakov is one of the most famous Mishnayis, that the Pasuk says you have to bring a carbon, it's specifically an oila, but it's true for all carbonis, that we, Yaakov Oso, you're supposed to bring it, Melamed, he shall bring it implies, Yaakov Oso implies that we will make him bring it, so how so? Shekoifen Oisai, that you're supposed to hit him. So the Gemara says, wait a minute, Yachob Karcha, you might think that it should be against his will, Tamleim and Sinai. The Pasuk says, Yakriv Isai, which implies that we force him to bring a carbon, but then it says Lirtsainai, which implies that you have to be able to bring it willingly. So how do you reconcile these two things? You beat him until he says he wants to do it. So here's the kasha. The kasha is so you're beating the guy until he brings a carbon. Now he might say he wants to bring a carbon. In his heart, he probably doesn't want to bring a carbon. Right? At least that's the Gemara's assumption. The Gemara will respond maybe in a moment that the desire of a Jew is to serve Hashem. But the point is, the Gemara assumes that when you're hitting him and he's finally saying, fine, I'll do it, I'll do it, in his lave, he's not interested. So why do we go with his actions and not his lave? Because dvarim shebelev, enam dvarim. This is the source that we don't go with your unspoken thoughts. We go with your external actions. Your external actions is saying you're interested. So we don't go with your heart. The Gemara said, Vamai, why do we accept such a carbon? We assume that his heart is not interested. We assume that when you're beating him, internally he's screaming no, no, no. But externally he's screaming yes. So what do you see? This is the source that we do not go with unspoken thoughts of the heart. We go with the external actions. The Gemara says no. Why do you assume that a Jew doesn't want to get a kapara? Meaning, Adarava. His internal, his actual, his dvarim shavalev is really to serve Hashem, and you need to get the external parts to line up. But when he says, I'm interested in the carbon, that's not, we don't assume that his heart is uninterested. No, we assume his heart is taka interested. That's true with carbonus. So the Gemara says, what about divorce? So also, again, a continuation of that Mishnah, a very, very famous concept, that we force a man, if he's supposed to get divorced, meaning if Bezin dictates that he has to get divorced, we also beat him. Actually, it's the same point, the same back and forth. The Gemara says, Go to the Seifa. We find the same thing with a get and with freeing slaves. That you force him until he says, I desire. Wait a minute. Am I, why is this an acceptable divorce? We assume that his heart is uninterested in divorcing his wife. And what do you see? You go with external actions and not with unspoken thoughts. The Gemara says, no, same thing. Perhaps it's because Chazal know that a person wants to listen to Chazal. And if Chazal says he's supposed to get divorced, then that is his lave. So you're assuming his lave is uninterested. I think his, deep down his lave is interested, and this is not a good source of whether we go with unspoken thoughts or external actions. The Gemara says, okay, fine, I have a different source. Elam Rav Yosef Mehacha from a different pasuk, a different source. The, the Mishnah says, "A Mekadesh as the Isha of Amar." Right? 
Um, the Mishnah says that if you're Mekadosh and Isha, and then you say later on, now, unlike our Mishnah where there were stipulations, our Mishnah is talking about Amanas. Our Mishnah says you marry a woman on condition Amakayan and you're not. That's a stipulation. This is Tam. You marry a woman because you just assume a certain thing about her, and it turns out not, or vice versa. Mekadosh is Isha Vami. Mekadosh a woman, you say Vamar and you say, I thought she was a Baskayan. Not, not that she stipulated it. Stam, I, I, I thought that she was a Baskayan. Barehi Levi, and it turns out she's not a Baskayan. Or Levia, I thought she was a Baslevi. Venins is Kehanis, and she turns out to be a Baskayan. Ania, I thought she was poor. Bari Ashir, it turns out she's rich. Ashir, Vania, vice versa. Mikudashas. All of these are Mikudashas. I, he says in his heart that he didn't think, that he thought certain things about her. What's the answer? We don't go with your hearts, we go with your actions. So this is a source that we don't go with your unspoken thoughts. Again, he's saying, listen, I thought she was a Baskayan. Had I known that she wasn't a Baskayan, I wouldn't have married her. The answer is, I don't care. Because you don't go with the heart. So the Gemara says, Amai hakamar kasavar see, You see over here, he says that my heart, I thought a certain thing. What, what's the answer? You don't go with the thoughts. You go with maisa, not machshavah. So the Gemara says, no. That's not a source that we... That's not a source that we exclusively go with your heart. Maybe we're just machmer. Again, if you go with his heart, then he's talking not married. It's a mekach So we don't go with the heart to be strict. We require them to get a divorce. That's not a source that we go with, that we ignore the heart completely. Meaning, this is a good source that we ignore the heart somewhat. But perhaps we ignore the heart over there just to be machmer. Again, we're saying right now, what's the halacha when you have an external action and you have an unspoken thought, do you go with the thought or the action? So we're saying action. What's the source from here? His action is he got married. His unspoken thought is not to get married. So you see, and then they're married. Maybe that's just to be machmer. Meaning maybe we, we're not sure whether you go with the unspoken thought or not. And just to be machmer. We say get a get. But what if going with, going with the action would create a kula? I don't know, whatever the situation is. I don't know necessarily that we ignore thought. I just know that we're machmer to go with action. But I don't know that we exclusively go with action to the extent that we ignore the thought. What if going with the thought would create a chumrah? See, over there, going with the thought would negate the marriage. What if going with the thought would create a chumrah? Maybe you would go through. I, I, don't, I don't know. So the Gemara is saying, I'm still unclear. So, okay. Look at our Mishnah. Our Mishnah said, a person made a stipulation on condition that she's a Baskayan, and she turns out not to be. So what do we say? The, me- the Mishnah says, Mekach but doesn't the Mishnah say that even if she says, I'd marry him anyway? What's the answer? We don't go with your thought. Marriage is over. Even though going with your thought would create a stringency, because that would require a divorce. You see, we completely ignore your heart. We only go with action. So the Gemara says, Olam Rabbi Mehacha. Bikulam in our Mishnah, where it all talks about Mekach in all cases where the marriage is null and void, it says, Bikulam in all of these cases, even if the woman were to say, I'm in. I, w- I was going to marry him regardless. What's the answer? We ignore your unspoken thoughts. We go with your actions. Over there, what do, what do you mean? Why, why don't we go with the thoughts? The answer is you go with actions alone. Gemara says, that's not a great proof. That's not a great source, because over there you made a stipulation. <laughs> Meaning, it's not like, you know, a standard case, you do an action, and in your mind you're thinking one thing, okay, the question is, do you go with action, you go with thoughts. Over there you made a stipulation. I am marrying you on condition you're a koyan, and he's not. He made a stipulation. Anytime there's a tanai 
you have to go with Tanoim. That's how stipulations work. But I don't. What, what would the halacha be when there's no stipulation? When you make a stipulation, yes, your unspoken thoughts is not enough to override a full stipulation. But what if there's no stipulation? We're looking for a case where it's just an action, no stipulation, an action, and you're saying in your thoughts was a certain way. I, I don't know what the halacha would be. So the Gemara says, okay. And went to The answer from the following Mishnah. Again, if you remember, Me'ila, uh, which is using Beis HaMikdash property for personal use, is one of the few cases in all of Torah that Yesh Shlichus So if you send a Shliach to do Me'ila, you're being punished, not the Shliach. Okay. So the Mishnah says like this you tell a Shliach, you say, listen, do me a favor. There's a pile of money in my kitchen by the window. Go grab it and buy me some something. Buy me some pizza. Fine. He goes to the kitchen, not realizing that he takes the wrong money. By your window, there was actually two piles of money. There was personal funds and there was Beis Hamikdash funds. Obviously, uh, when you told him, now you, uh, we don't know what your thought process was, but you did not specify which one. He takes the Beis Hamikdash funds, and the question is, who is responsible? If he is fulfilling your shlichus properly, you're going to be responsible. If he deviated from your shlichus, he is responsible. Right? That's the general rule by shlichus by Mi'ila. Right? If you tell him, hey, don't go take those holy money and buy pizza, you're punished. If you say, hey, this money... Uh, you know, go into my kitchen, take the non-holy money, and then he deviates and takes the holy money, then he's not your shliach anymore. Over here, you didn't specify which money. You just said, go to the kitchen, take the money, buy me some pizza. He goes into the kitchen, he happens to take Kaddish money from the kitchen. Now, so what's the halacha? The halacha is the balabayis is punished, because you sent him as a shliach. Even though the balabayis is saying, that wasn't my heart. I, I didn't want him to do this. I wanted him to take personal funds. So what do you see? The external action is you sent a shliach. I, in your heart, you're saying, I never wanted that. The answer is, dvarim shebelev enum dvarim. The Balabais is punished because you sent him as a shliach. I, you say in your heart you're not interested. What's the answer? Dvarim shebelev in dvarim. So the Gemara says, no, that's not a good source. Why? Maybe generally dvarim shebelev habit dvarim. Maybe we generally believe you when you go with your heart. But over here, we assume you're lying. Think about it. You're a guy who doesn't really care about halacha so much. So you send someone to take the holy money. I don't care. You find out. The rabbi says, you have to bring a carbon now. And you're like, I don't want it. That's a whole hassle. Yeah, I didn't want it. Maybe when he's saying, my heart, I didn't want him to take holy funds. Maybe the reason why we don't believe him is not because Dvarim Shebelev Enum Dvarim. Maybe it's because we think he's lying just to get out of bringing a carbon. So the Gemara says, Meaning, perhaps the reason why we don't believe him is not because Dvarim Shebelev Havid Dvarim or Enoid Dvarim. Perhaps over here the reason why we don't believe him is because we assume he's lying just to get out of bringing a carbon. Meaning, we're saying this is a source that generally we don't go with unspoken thoughts. Maybe generally we should go with unspoken thoughts. But over here it's different because we think that he's lying. He's saying, oh, I didn't want him to take the holy money. I wanted him to, I would never do an Avera, blah, blah, blah. Maybe he's saying that just because he's lying, he doesn't want to bring a carbon. So the Gemara says, no, I'll tell you why. If he was just interested in avoiding a carbon, he had other options. Again, what is he saying to avoid a carbon? We're saying that he's lying and he's saying, I didn't want you to take the holy money, but he doesn't actually mean it. He's just doing it to avoid a carbon. 
The Gemara says there are other ways to avoid a carbon. You know how you could avoid a carbon? You could say I did it on purpose. Right? A carbon is only brought by shagig. If you say I did it on purpose, so maybe, again, we don't listen to him. When he says, I didn't mean it, we don't listen to him, and we bring a carbon. There's two options of why we don't listen to him. Either because dvarim shebeleib enum dvarim, which is that we generally do not go with unspoken thoughts. The Gemara says, no. Maybe we generally do go with unspoken thoughts, but over here we don't trust him because maybe we think he's just saying this to get out of a carbon. So the Gemara says, if he was so interested in getting out of a carbon, there are other options. He could say other things. And therefore, the reason why we don't believe him is not because we think he's trying to get out of a carbon, because if he was really interested in trying to get out of a carbon, he would say other lies. So what's the answer? We believe him. And yet we still don't listen to him because Dvarim Shebeleiv, Einman Dvarim. What could he say to get out of a carbon? The Gemara says, It's not because we don't believe him, because if we actually thought that he was just trying to get out of it, there are other options. He could just say it's Bemezid. So the Gemara says, no, that's, what do you expect? You expect a guy, it's like I was by jury duty, and everyone was like, before you go to jury duty, just say you're racist. Okay, you stand up in front of a lot of minorities and say you're racist and lie like that. No one could say like that. So what do you expect the guy? You expect the guy to say in front of everybody, I did it on purpose to avoid a carbon? Come on. The Gemara says, So you want him to be a Russia? That, that's, you want him to declare he's a Russia? Of course he's not going to do that. So the Gemara says, okay. But I have another way for him to get out of a carbon if he's interested in lying. And it won't make him look so bad. And that is, it's a technicality by Me'ila. And that is that if he sends a shliach, right, a shliach, Me'ila is the only time Yeshlichus Advaravera, it only works due to a technicality if he forgets that, right, when do you bring a carbon? Chadas. When it's shogig, it means you forgot. Because carbon Me'ila is the only time where Yeshlichus Advaravera, you need both of them to forget. If I send a shliach and I, f- I forget that it's uh, holy coins, he also forgets that it's holy coins, then I have to bring a carbon. But if I send a shliach and then while he's walking, I'm like, oh, that's Kodesh. Oops. I don't tell him. The shliach then completely forgets because he doesn't know. No carbon for me. He has to bring a carbon. It's due to a technicality that the second the balabayis, the mishaleach, is aware. So because I'm no longer chayiv in a carbon, so I could actually get out of bringing a carbon without making myself look so bad, without saying I'm amazed. I could just say, oh, I remembered after I sent it, but I, he didn't have his phone on him. I couldn't call him. So if I was really interested in just getting out of a carbon, I could lie and say like that. It doesn't even make me look so bad. So the fact that he says, the fact that he is saying that I didn't want, to, I didn't want him to do this is not his way of getting out of a carbon because there are other ways to get out of a carbon. It means we believe him. He legitimately did not want the shliach to do it. And what's the answer? We don't care about your unspoken thoughts. We go with your actions. So the Gemara says, He could have just claimed, I remembered after I sent him that it was holy. And then due to a technicality, there's no chiv carbon. It's not the mission that That if you send a shliach to do me'ila, and you remember that it's holy, and the shliach doesn't, due to a technicality, you do not have to bring a carbon, the shliach does. So if he was interested in getting out of it, he could have just claimed that. Therefore, the fact that he's claiming that he did not want his shliach to do me'ila, we believe him. And yet, he's still chayiv. Why? Because dvarim shabalev, enun dvarim. Okay, that's the conclusion. This is the source of dvarim shabalev, enun dvarim. The Gemara continues, Now, this is unlike the case that we had yesterday. The case we had yesterday is that a person was selling his all his property with the intention of moving to Israel, but he didn't express that. There was Dvarm Shabalev. Over here, he actually stipulated, I am selling it because I am making Aliyah. Now here's the case. Now if he doesn't end up making Aliyah for due to a technicality, the sale is null and void. 
Over here, he went to Israel, and then after two days, he's like, I can't do this, I'm out. And he moved back. The question is, when a person sells with the intention of making Aliyah, does that mean going to Israel, in which case he fulfilled the stipulation, it is a good sale? Or do you say, no, his intention was to sell it because he wanted to live in Israel. If he couldn't live in Israel, then it's a Mekach and the stipulation was not met. So that's the question. When a person stipulates in order to make Aliyah, what is his intention? Is his intention to go for a few days or to stay there? The Gemara says, Salik He went, but he couldn't live there. So, Amarava called the Salik Rava feels it's a Mekach The sale is null and void. Why? Because when people sell in order to make Aliyah, they intend to live in Israel. And if he couldn't make it there, then the sale is null and void, and he can get his uh, property back. Ikadamri, but some have the opposite version. That no, Adaita Lemesak, he sold it in order to go to Israel. Hasalik, and he did. So the stipulation is met, and the sale is completely valid. So these two shyness would be whether it's a mekachtai. So be telling these two shyness. A Gemara says another case. Again, a person sold his property and stipulated that he's doing this to make aliyah, but he did not end up going up. So now he wants to undo the sale. Now the question is, now, okay, so he didn't end up going up. So the question is, is the sale null and void? So says the Gemara, Amar Avashi, Ibai He could if he wanted to, meaning he chose not to make Aliyah. He could if he wanted to. So because he could, the sale is valid. Again, he sells, his, he sells me his car because he's going to make Aliyah. He calls me a week later, I didn't have to make Aliyah, I want the car back. I'm like, you could have. As long as you could have, that's it, sale is valid. The fact that you chose not to, that's not my problem. That's Ravashi's take. Ikadamri, and some have a different version of Ravashi, and that's, is he boy Salik? Had he wanted to, could he have not gone up? Now, they're both seemingly identical. They're both saying the same thing, which is, if he wanted to, he could have. What's the difference between these two versions? My benayu? The case is where he could have, but there was an oinus. And because of this, he canceled his plans. So according to the first version of Ravashi, um, it would still be valid because at the end of the day, even if there's an inus, listen, you could have if you wanted to. Even in an inus, let's say you find out that the way to go is dangerous, so you choose not to. According to the first version, listen, you could still go. You know what I mean? It's not like Israel's closed. You could still technically go. The fact that you're choosing not to, that's your choice. Valid sale. The second version is no, you have to have, it has to be that he could easily go to Eretz Yisrael without an impediment. So if there's a mania, if there's an obstacle, that would be contingent, meaning an obstacle, but it's still possible. So basically it's like this. According to, if he could completely choose to go and just chooses not to, then the sale is valid. If he can't get to Eretz Yisrael, the sale is null and void. The case is, he could go to Israel, but there are obstacles. According to the first version, the sale is still valid because he could still go. According to the second version, no, he could, because there are obstacles. He, he, it's a sale, is Mekach Okay. Weiter, a lot of uh, small Mishnayis before here in the end of the daf. The Mishnah says like this, If a man says to Shliach, Be Mekadosh me a woman in a certain place, in Brooklyn. And he was Mekadosh in Queens, a different city. So, Enemukudesh is no good because he deviated from the Shlichus, he's no longer a Shliach, and therefore the Maisa doesn't work. But if he says, be Mekadesh a woman, and she is currently in Brooklyn, that's not saying that you have to Mekadesh her in Brooklyn, you just want to know where she is, she's currently in Brooklyn. You can Mekadesh her anywhere, then, then everyone agrees it's Mekadesh. But let's analyze the first case. You tell her, Mekadesh her in Brooklyn, and then he deviates in Mekadesh her in Queens. No good. Okay. 
In Gittin, we had the exact same Mishnah, but instead of Kedushin, we had Gittin. You know, you know, give her a get in Brooklyn, and that he gives it in Queens is no good. So why do you need both? So the Gemara says, We have the Mamish exact same mission in Gittin. The Mishnah says, I'm a Tnu get Zela Ishim Makamploini, Vinoslam Makamacher Possel. Harev Makamploini, Vinoslam Makamacher Kasher. Mamish, the exact same thing, but instead of giving her Kedushin, you're giving her a get. Okay. So. Why do you need both? Umar says, I'll tell you why I need both. If you only have a mission of Kedushin, I would say, the whole purpose of Kedushin is to create a relationship. By Kedushin, it's funny, it's like counterintuitive. I would have thought the opposite. But the Gemara is saying by Kedushin, the whole purpose of Kedushin is I'm trying to make a relationship with this woman. Maybe he knows that he has a good reputation in Brooklyn and he has a bad reputation in Queens. So he's saying, listen, marry her in Brooklyn only. Do not give her money to Kedushin in Queens because in Queens they don't like me so much. I don't want to take the risk. So if you deviate, I, I, I told you not to. Now it turns out at the end, the lady was Mechabal Kedushin in both cases, but he's saying, I didn't want you to take that risk. So you could see by Kedushin it would be contingent on where it is because the whole purpose of Kedushin is you need her to say yes. And therefore he's saying, listen, they like me in Brooklyn. I have a good reputation in Brooklyn. Do it in Brooklyn. Because there she has a likelihood to say yes. Do not do it in Queens. So you could see why deviating would be a problem. But, Gabi Gittin, the whole purpose of Gittin is to sever the relationship. What do I care? I'm already ready to end this. So end it in Brooklyn, end it in Queens. What would I care where it is? Yeah. Well, no, you, no, it's true, but when it comes to appointing a shliach, which is all the mindset of the person who appointed it, you could see why there would be a difference in my desire for him to be a shliach, or let's say, or how particular I am. You could see why Kedushin maybe would have more, because Kedushin, I need everything to work out. Like, I'm planning the proposal in a certain place. Gittin, it's like, what do you care? Like the the whole the relationship's ending. Like, what do, what do you? So they don't like me in Queens. Okay, well they're not gonna like you now either. What's the difference? You're ending the marriage. What's the difference? So that's why by kedushin one could argue. But the truth is, you could argue the exact same thing by Gittin, as the Gemara says now. Kedushin actually could say the opposite, which is kedushin. Right? When people get married, they have a website called Only Simchas and Simchas Spot. Everyone's happy about it, right? So, you could say, listen, I don't care where I'm getting engaged. Brooklyn, Queens, great. Everyone's just going to say Mazel Tov. Divorce, there's no website, only divorce, right? There's no, there's no website of like, you want to keep it private. You're a little more embarrassed about it. So you could actually see by divorce, I'd be more particular. Don't just divorce her anywhere. I don't want people to know about it in Queens. I want people to know about it in Brooklyn. So it's actually, you could look at it both ways. And therefore, you need both Mishnahis to tell the exact same halacha. Because you could look at it, you wouldn't be able to learn out from each other. Yeah, you could say Makish Let's say maybe Rishlokish would be would be comfortable. But uh, okay, next Mishnah. You make Makadish a woman on condition she does not have a Nidarim. It turns out she is in Makadashis. That's what we've had till now. That's the Mekach Tois. But, Stam. Let's say you marry a woman Stam. And then you find out she has a lot of Nidarim. Now that is warrant. That is not a warrant, that does not warrant a mekach but that does warrant allowing you to end the marriage without paying her ksuba. 
right? When you divorce a woman, you have to pay a ksuba unless the divorce is completely her fault. This is enough of a reason that teitzay belike subasa. You have to divorce her, but you don't have to pay the ksuba. So it's not enough to make a mekach tois, but it is enough that when you divorce her, you don't have to pay the ksuba. Similarly, I'm an in a woman. If you make a woman saying on condition that you don't have any physical blemishes, and she turns out to have blemishes, and it's a mekach tois. You marry your stam and nimsa mumin, and then you find out she has bodily defects, mumin, Again, it's not a mekach because we assume that the you, you saw the external part of her, at least the part that's revealed. So you're masking the internal part. That's not going to be enough to make it that the mekach but it warrants a divorce if you choose to, and then you don't have to pay the ksuba. And what type of bodily defects are we talking about? Any defect that would passel a koyin from serving the Beis Hamikdash passels warrants uh, forfeiting her ksuba by a woman. Okay, fine. Um, also, if you made a stipulation, it would render it void. That's the type of moment we're talking about. It's like if a person, because you, you can't just leave it up to people, because then it's like, uh, oh, uh, you know, she, she, she's not uh, she's uh, she's not good at riding a bike. That's a moment. No, no, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a physical moment that would disqualify a kayan. That's the type of moment that we're talking about. Now, this Mishnah is also found in Ksubis, but, but the exact same words. Um, because we're talking about gitten, so we're focusing on the teitze. In ksubis, it's the focus is on beloy ksuba. But mamish, the exact same words. So the Gemara says, Mamish is Mishnah, word for word verbatim is found in ksubis. So why is it repeated twice? Over here, the purpose is to teach you about stipulations by kedushin. That's why the ikr, that's the ikr part. And then we mentioned the teitze beloy ksubasa because that's part of the halachas. Over there, the Iker part is forfeiting the Ksuba, and then they talk about the stipulation as part of the uh, Mishnah as well. Okay, new Mishnah. Okay, so all of this Mishnah is basically dealing with the same premise, and that is, you do a Kedushan that is not valid. Not valid, so you're not married. Then you send her a bracelet. You send her gifts that you're sending your wife. The Halacha is, the gifts do not serve as Kedushan. The gifts are on top of Kedushin, but if the Kedushin is not valid, we don't say that the gifts serve as replacement of Kedushin. So if, let's say, you marry your wife, right? I'll go in an extreme case. You marry your wife and the Kedushin happens to not be valid. So you're not actually married. A year later, you give her a beautiful ring, uh, earrings as an anniversary. You can't just say, well, let that be Kedushin. Because you didn't give it as Kedushin. You gave it as a gift to your wife. She happens to not be your wife. That's called Sivlainus. Sivlainus cannot serve as Kedushin because the assumption is you're not sending it as Kedushin, you're sending it as gifts. Okay? So, a couple cases of Kedushin not being valid. I give two women a pruta. So each one is getting half a pruta. So neither is married. Or Stam, I give it to one woman half a pruta. I give one woman less than a pruta. Even if I send gifts afterwards, go to the next page, it's not Kamekudashas, because the gifts are not being given they're given as gifts. Because the gifts are meant to be on top of the original Kedushin, which in this case is not valid. Similarly, if a Katan is Mekadash, a woman, so we send 
you know, a 12-year-old boy is Mekadosh a woman, so we said that's not valid, because you're under Bar Mitzvah. Then when he's 13, he sends her a gift. The halach is again, the same thing. A gift cannot replace Kedushin if the Kedushin is not valid. Okay. Now, why do you need these three cases? So we have three cases of Kedushin not being valid, which is two women, one pruta, one woman, half a pruta, and a katan. They're all the same thing. Neither of them are good Kedushin, and then the gift on top is not valid. So the Gemara says like this. Oh, 28 minutes. Okay, let's keep going. Tzricha. Why do you need all three cases? I'll tell you why. If you just had the case of a Shava Pruta, meaning two women, one Pruta, you could see a person thinking that's valid, right? It's, it's actually weird. The more clear the Kedushin is not good, the more clear that it's not good, the bigger Chiddush it is. Because think about it. What's the point of this Mishnah? The point of this Mishnah is that if I send gifts to my wife, they do not serve as Kedushin. It's a bigger Chiddush if the Kedushin is for sure not good. Because if the Kedushin is borderline, so you could say, well, it's borderline, that's why the gifts are not meant to replace Kedushin, because he thinks it's legit Kedushin. But if he knows it's not good, like 100% it's not good, then I could look at it as the gifts are for sure replacing Kedushin. So the worse the Kedushin is, the bigger a Chiddush it is. It's counterintuitive, but that's what Gemara says. So in the case where I give a pruta to two women, I could see someone saying that works. I gave a pruta. Maybe the Iker Kedushin is the man giving the pruta, not each woman receiving a pruta. So maybe you could see a person saying, when you give two women a pruta, it's a good Kedushin. Then the gifts that you send afterwards, you don't intend to be Kedushin because you think it's good. But... But in the second case, where you just give a woman a penny, less than a pruta, which every person knows is not good, you could argue that everyone knows that's not valid. And therefore, he's sending these gifts for sure to replace Kedushin, because everyone knows that Kedushin's not good. It doesn't work. And if you just had the first two cases of a pruta to two women, or a pachas mishava pruta to one, but you didn't have the last case of a katan, I'd say, and, and no one knows the difference. A katan, everyone knows a 12-year-old can't get married. Everyone knows that a katan is not able to make kaddish. Pruta, not a pruta, everyone, maybe people get confused with values. But a katan, everyone knows it's no good. So therefore, when he's sending the gifts, when he's above bar mitzvah, he's doing it to replace kedushin. In all these three cases, it does not work. Now, in our case, our case was that you had a bad Kedushin, then you sent gifts. Okay. And the gifts are not replacing Kedushin because in your perspective, you already had Kedushin. What if instead of doing that, I just replace it? I just send the gift before Kedushin. Right? You, you, you talk to the woman that you're planning on marrying her, and you give her an engagement ring, right? Our rings, right? You give, you send her a gift before Kedushin. Do we say that the gift is itself meant to be Kedushin, or no? A person does not want the gift to be Kedushin. He wants Kedushin to be Kedushin. That's the question. So if I send a fiancé, because you're not actually married, get married yet, I send my fiancé a, 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 a bracelet, and then we break off the engagement, do you also need to get that's the kasha. 
Which for this, okay. Itmar. Rav Huna Amr Chayshin Lusavlinus. Rav Huna feels that every time you send a gift to a woman that you plan on marrying, that gift can be the Eved, serve as Kedushin. Perhaps you intend to serve it as Kedushin. And therefore, if it was given in the presence of witnesses, uh, you would potentially need to get. The Chayn Amr Rabba Chayshin Lusavlinus. Rabba also felt the same way. Now, Amr they asked the Kasha from our Mishnah. Wait a minute, you're telling me that gifts alone could be Kedushan? I thought the whole premise of our Mishnah is that gifts are not replacing Kedushan. So the Gemara says, Amr Abai responds, Over there it's different. The case of our Mishnah is the gifts are after a bad Kedushan. When it's after a bad Kedushan, the gifts are definitely not replacing Kedushan, because from your perspective, you already had Kedushan. However, Rabba is referring to a case where you sent a gift without having Kedushan ever. If you never had Kedushan, then the gift in people's perspective is actually Kedushan. Or at least could be Kedushan, therefore you would need to get. And some say, How do I know that Sivloinus, that gifts could potentially be Kedushin, Kedikdani Taima, because the Mishnah says the gifts are not, but the Mishnah clarifies why, Shemachamus Kedushin Shem Shalach, because the gifts are not meant to replace a bad Kedushin from the person's perspective. He has Kedushin. The implication is it's in this case that it's not a good Kedushin, but generally it is. And Abaya says no. Abayah says, no, you can actually read the opposite. In general, gifts are definitely not Kedushin. In this case, you might think he's sending the gifts to fix a bad Kedushin. No. So it's a machlekes, Abayah and Rabbah, whether we're concerned about gifts that are being sent, whether they're Kedushin. It happens to be that Aruch HaShulchan and other Paisim say that we generally do not assume that gifts are Kedushin, but there was a famous sheet of Rav Hankin. Rav Hankin felt that when a guy gives a girl an engagement ring, they should not give it in front of Adam, because that way, I happen to be, I asked Rav Shechter once, uh, he sent me a letter, Rav Shechter said, we are not, while it is a good thing to be machmer, maybe not to give the ring in front of Adam, but if a couple breaks the engagement, you do not have to worry about Rav Hankin Shita, there is no require for a get at all, because we do not, in what they did in the Gemara may be different. Nowadays, he says, everyone knows that when you give a ring to a girl and you get on one knee, and they, no one thinks that you're actually intending to be Kedushin. Kedushin is under the Chuppah. Everyone knows that, and therefore, nowadays, on Hug of Klal Yisrael, is not to be Chayshish Lusafolimus. Okay, fine. Let's just finish up the daf. My Havala, what are we paskin? In a place where they customarily have Kedushin and then send gifts, then we're concerned that sending the gifts might, first, might have Kedushin. But in a case where they send gifts, and then in a case where they always send gifts, everyone knows you send gifts, it's not, not meant to be Kedushin. The Gemara says, well, okay, you're telling me that in a place where they then send gifts, it's obvious, because if you're sending gifts, that means that you, in your mind you already had Kedushin. The case is the majority do that. And some don't. You might think that you should go with the miyut and the savloinus are not meant to be Kedushin. You go with the majority in this case. If the majority of people do Kedushin, then send gifts. So if they send gifts, that's a sign that they already have had Kedushin or they would like these gifts to serve as Kedushin and therefore you would need a divorce afterwards. Now, um, okay, fine. Uh, 
finish up the, the sugya. Very interesting, Shaila. You find in the shuk a ksuba filled out with a certain woman's name. Do we have to assume? Do we have to assume that that means that they're already married? We don't know that there was a marriage that took place, but there's a ksuba that says her name, full name, with Adam. Is that enough to warrant a divorce? To make her get a divorce if she wants to marry someone else? So the Gemara says, Because that means that they're married? First of all, I don't know. I could, I could probably write a ksuba with someone's name. Right? Think about it. Right? I could just get, <laughs> get a cipher, write up this woman's name we've never met. Like, what, why, why, do, why do you assume that that's enough? So the Gemara says, my havila, so what's the what's the conclusion? Now, I, I was a little bit, uh, you know, that was a little bit too much. Obviously, we're not concerned that a guy is just writing women's names. But the question is, how do you know, let's say they're Taka getting married next week. Yeah? We know that they're dating, right? We know that they're intending to get married. There's a ksuba that pops up from this couple. There's two options. They got married and then they wrote the ksuba. Or maybe they wrote the ksuba before the wedding. So... So at first we said, it should be something. And then we said, well, why? Maybe they just wrote the ksuba before they got married. So what's the halacha? If in that location, they only write the ksuba after the kedushin, then chayshin. And then, then if you got a ksuba, they had kedushin. But if, they, if in that location, they write the ksuba before kedushin, then, then it's nothing. Happens to be, it's interesting. I mean, we don't fully, even Rabbonim, there are some Rabbonim that will fill out a ksuba before the wedding, just to avoid shilas, but they don't write the kanina, so uh, you will generally not find a full made ksuba before the wedding. But if in that location they write the ksuba, let's say the morning of, then yeah, it's nothing. So the Gemara says mikachiv other pshita. So when is it? When are we concerned for the ksuba? If the minigamokim is to write the ksuba after the kedushin, so the Gemara says, yeah, then it's pashit. If the minigamokim is to only write the ksuba after kedushin, and you have a ksuba, that means there's a kedushin. The case is where the cipher is not available generally. Meaning, the, they generally write the ksuba after the kedushin, but the cipher is not generally around. So ma'u disami, you might think safru disrami. Meaning, you might think. That really, although generally they do the Kedush and then the Ksuba, perhaps in this case it's different. Perhaps in this case, they found a cipher before the wedding. They're like, oh, the cipher's here? Let's just write it up now. Because the cipher is not generally in town, you might think that they deviated from the normal Minagamakim to just write the Ksuba first because the cipher's here now. Kamashwala, no, you go with the Minagamakim. Okay, last sugya, and that is Hamakadish Isho Bita. Okay, so we know. If I go to a woman, I'm Makadish the mother, and then I go to the daughter, I'm Makadish the daughter, the second condition is not typhus, because the daughter is Chayv Kares. You can't marry a mother and her daughter. So it does not work one after the other. But here's what I did I give them both at the exact same time a dollar, and I say, Hare Makadeshesli, to both of them. So there's a question is, I definitely cannot be Makadish both, because that doesn't work. The question is, does nothing take effect? Does one of them being Makadish to me? What's the halacha? So halacha is, a Makadish Yisho Bita, if you Makadish a mother and a daughter simultaneously, a Yisho Vachosa, or let's say two sisters, Enim Kadashas, neither are married to you. Meaning we're also one, neither. Because you can't do it one after the other, it does not work simultaneously. 
There was a Maisa that happened with five women. And within the five women, two of them were sisters. And a guy gathered a basket of figs. Now the figs happened to belong to these women. But it was Shemitah, so it was Hefker. So it was basically Hefker. So he goes over to these five women. Two of them are sisters. He grabs a giant bucket of figs. He hands it to all five of them. They all take it at the exact same time. You're all married to me. What's the halacha? So you should say at least you should marry three out of five. Because three of them are not related. But the halacha is, because he can't marry two of them, the whole Kedushan didn't take effect. The halacha is, oh, so I'm sorry. The halacha is that the rest of the three women are, because there's no reason that was a good Kedushan, but the two sisters are not. And we don't say one of the sisters are. No, the two sisters are not Mekudosh. Because you can't be Mekudosh, Zeacharizah, it does not work. Now the Gemara wants to know, well, how do I know this? May not even end with this. How do I know that the Kedushan does not take effect when it's simultaneously with two sisters or a mother and daughter? So the Gemara says, Amr, Abar, Chama, Adam, The Pasuk actually is referring to this case. The Pasuk says, You shall not marry a woman and her sister. Now, when you read the Pasuk, I'm like, in some this is a... This is uh, Yom Kippur, probably. Right? When you read the Pasuk, the seeming way of the Pasuk is as follows. You're married to one sister already. You're attempting to marry the second. It doesn't work. But now we're saying, no, the Pasuk is actually referring to marrying them both at the same time. The Pasuk is saying, the Torah is saying, if they're becoming co-wives, it doesn't even work at once. Meaning the Pasuk is referring to that trying to marry them both at the same time, and it's the Pasuk is saying, you, it doesn't work. That's what the Pasuk is telling you. The Pasuk is saying, you cannot marry two sisters simultaneously. Here's the problem. If the Pasuk is telling, if that's what the Pasuk is referring to, then why is there Chayv Karis? If the Pasuk is the way I said, which is, you're already married to one sister, and then you live with the other sister. Okay, so that's Chayv Karis. But now you tell me, no, the Pasuk is actually referring to attempting to marry both, and it doesn't work. So you're not married to both sisters. So why is Chayv Karis? So the Gemara says, Amrli Rava, Iyachi, Hainan the Sivu, what does the Pasuk say? Venichusur Nafashal Asim Karevamo, Chayv Karis. Ikadushan Lay Tavsiba, Karis Mimachayv. Well, if you're not married to either of them, then why is Chayv Karis? So the Gemara says, rather, it must be El Amr Rava Krab Zacharzeh. No, the Pasuk is actually referring to what I was saying, which is, you're married to one, you're attempting to marry the other, and the Pasuk is saying, Kadushan is not Taifis. So what's the point of the Pasuk, though? And the Mishnah follows Rabbah's opinion, we'll end with this. Rabbah's opinion is that any time Kedushin will not work, it does not work simultaneously. So because you cannot be Mekadish, two sisters, one after the other, you can't be Mekadish of Asachas. Not that that's what the Pasuk is referring to, but because it doesn't work, the Kedushin is not typhus simultaneously. We'll stop here, pick it up tomorrow. Thank you very much. My pleasure. I'll see you soon.